Field Day site following the Ag PhD Naturals Workshop. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian and industry expert on naturals and biological products, Matt Thompson. Uh, Matt, we had a lot of exciting things today that, that we were discussing. It's more than just living microbes that we talk about in this natural space. Yeah, today was a workout. Wow, a lot of good questions coming out of the group today. And, you know, we look at this overall space of new products coming into the marketplace. This is very unfamiliar to a lot of customers in regards to how to implement these particular products. And that's ultimately what today's workshop was, was how to make these best used on my farm. All right, we had a, had a number of questions come in online that we'll get to uh, throughout the day here. You can always email us, radio at agphd.com. We've also got a, a live audience here asking questions. If you have a question in the audience, just raise your hand, say your first name if you don't mind, and, and uh, what state you're from, that would be great. Our state or province, I should say. I think there's a few Canadian folks here as well. Uh, but anyway, go ahead. Let's take the first question. Hi, Jim from South Dakota. I uh, just got done with your naturals seminar. It was great. Learned a lot. On the Alpha Complete we had, the Hefty Alpha Complete, it looked like it had some great benefits here on most, except the two times it did not, it looks like on this chart on page 31. I don't think we went over that, but at York, was there weather conditions or something that did that or something? Oh, this is an interesting question. All right, so Jim's question, uh, why, why, don't, why don't you win 100% of the time with some of these trials? And certainly with naturals, we don't see 100% wins with any product on the market. We don't even see that with chemistry. I mean, honestly, I thought Roundup was one of the biggest slam dunks we ever had in the history of, uh, of ag chemicals. And even at its peak, there were guys that were saying, you know, it's not the best on lamb's quarters. Well, yeah, you got to have a lot of rate to kill a product or to kill a weed with tons of growing points. And if the weather conditions vary, sometimes the product works better than the other. So how about with naturals, Matt, with something like Alpha Complete that's got a number of different naturals in it, what kind of situations would, would lead to inconsistent performance? Yeah, so obviously weather is going to be a big component of that. But, you know, when, when Alpha Complete was originally conceived and put into the box, we built that as an offensive type product. And we spent some time today in the workshop talking about offensive versus defensive products. And unfortunately, in certain situations with a product like Alpha Complete is we built a strong plant early in the season. We built a bigger root system. Um, but if we didn't catch late season rains, it just didn't always amount to yield. So um, unfortunately, biological products are always going to be weighed on how well did they yield versus other things that we can look at throughout the season. And, uh, you know, it, like Darren said, it's never going to be 100% of the time, but we feel really good about Alpha Complete moving into 22. Yeah, and specifically to answer your question, I don't know if we have anything where we identified, oh, at this one location, here was this problem, or this is the reason why exactly. But, I, I mean, these weren't our trials either that we specifically did, like on our no, farm or with no, our and, own and research small, team. And small replicated trials, gosh, you got one wheel track that drove over that's, one row for a few feet, and you all of a sudden can throw it off. Yep, that's the reason why I bring it up, because I don't know if any of that stuff played into it. Maybe it was nothing. I, I, I don't know, so I, I, I can't give you the perfect answer or the best answer for that question. Let's jump to the next one here. Deb Tuff from Minnesota. Um, we had talked about a little bit about uh, things uh, for the pasture. So I'm yep. talking about like heat shield and the rise up. If those plants are growing faster or taller, um, is there a change in the nutritional value? Well, that's a great question. So, you know, when you look at rise up smart grass, that's gibberellic acid. So we're going to see plants get more elongation between the nodes than they would otherwise, which is great. 
Uh, we love seeing better pasture growth early in the season. We love seeing it later into the fall. So there's certainly more tonnage. Uh, the question is, what's the nutritional difference? And uh, are you going to get less nutrients or more nutrients in, in that foliage? I don't know if I know the full answer to that. No, one. but I do know that, for example, when I, I don't think with heat shield, we're looking at anything negative. That's most likely going to be a positive. But with the Rise Up Smart Grass, that's gibberellic acid. So I don't care what gibberellic acid product we're talking about, where we see that faster elongation of the stem early in the season, we very commonly do see that the plants are turning a little bit yellow. So what that's telling us is we have fertilized, or whoever had the pasture or silage corn, had fertilized for a certain amount of tonnage. And then all of a sudden, when you have a lot more growth in a short amount of time, maybe we just didn't have enough fertility out there. So yeah, I, I don't have data specifically on the nutrient content, but my assumption when I see a yellow plant is I don't have that same nutrient content level that I have in a much greener plant. So where I'm going with this is, yep, we're going to get more tonnage. We have to then fertilize accordingly. Just like if I was going to raise 200 bushel corn as opposed to 150 bushel corn, I've got to fertilize accordingly, or I'm going to have less nutrient content in that plant. Well, and it's a great idea, too, as you do some trial work. And with any of these products, if you haven't tried them before, I'd always recommend starting on a small scale. But do some blocks out in a pasture and see, ooh, do the cattle like eating here better than they like eating there? Do I get more tonnage here or there? And send in some, some samples to get nutritional analysis done, too. That's but, yeah, it's idea. fun because you will notice it, I mean, right off the bat. I'm going to say the first time we did it was 10, 12 years ago. And, I, I mean, you could see it within just a few days. Oh, hey, we're absolutely getting more growth there. So Darren started joking around like, you know, I think I'm going to sneak over to Brian's house and spray oh, his it lawn. Happened. It uh, happened. <laughs> So we got to do a little more mowing. All right, okay, let's hey, get, hold oh, on. Go we, got, we got just one minute before a break. And okay. We had another. Okay. We had a question about Alpha Complete earlier, and I had another one come in uh, from from a listener in Canada who said, "Hey, uh, I've seen some good things about this Alpha Complete, but it's not labeled in Canada yet. Is there a big burden to get biological or natural type products labeled in multiple countries?" Yeah, yes. So, yeah. <laughs> the answer is yes. Yeah. It's just it's it's all the hoops that you have to jump through at the national level. Uh, on top of how they recognize particular products versus the United States, uh, the language is very different. And the other thing is we talked today about all these combinations that a lot of seed companies are doing right on their, their seed for treatment. So putting fungicide together with insecticide, together with maybe rhizobia bacteria, together with a whole bunch of other naturals or biological products, or maybe even plant growth hormones like Alpha Complete. What that is, it's a combination of five different things. So you've got three different biological or natural products, as we would call them, along with a couple of water treatment products. So that makes it even more complicated because you'd probably have to get each one of those things labeled in Canada, as well as the package. Well, thanks for the question. We appreciate that. And uh, thanks to everybody who's here at our Naturals Workshop today or listening online. We'll get back to more questions coming up right after this. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Water Hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce Herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. During the Bronze Age, grain sorghum was a common crop in developing agriculture. 
Today's technology has changed virtually everything, but grain sorghum largely hasn't changed until now. Introducing Emiflex herbicide, paired with iGrowth non-GMO herbicide-resistant grain sorghum, this duo controls foxtail and other tough weeds pre and post-emergence so you can grow like never before. Make history in your sorghum makers. Start today at sorghumpotential.com. Always read and follow label directions. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Weeds rob you of yield potential, so rob them of the chance to grow with powerful corn herbicide solutions from Corteva AgriScience. Weeds won't know what hit them, but you will. Because you can count on all the top corn herbicide products, including Resicor, SureStart 2, and Keystone NXT, to effectively control weeds, you can spend less time worrying about unwanted yield-robbing plants and power on. Learn more at poweroverweeds.com power. Keystone NXT is a restricted-use pesticide. listening to ag phd radio we just wrapped up oh boy i'm gonna need a drink here for a second but just wrapping up the ag phd naturals workshop taking questions from the audience let's get back to it hi my name is dave from minnesota <clears throat> we talked about silica in the soil is there a way to measure that in a plant tissue sample or any other to see if you're getting that in the plant i don't know that i've seen plant tissue analysis show silica uh I don't think that I've seen that. Have you? No, I know Midwest was working on trying to get a silica test in the soil, but I don't know if I've ever seen anything from a plant tissue analysis standpoint. Yep. So I guess that'd be a question for a <laughs> testing lab. And we often talk about Midwest labs, but uh, there are a lot of testing labs out there. You, you, you can just ask your testing lab that you work with. But yeah, like, like we said today with silica, it, it does exist naturally in the soil. There's actually lots of it out there in a lot of soils, but it may not be available. So that's why we look at these silica solubilizing bacteria or fungi. And hopefully we can get more of that in and coming available in the plant. All right, uh, let's go to our next question. Yep, we're right over there. Go ahead. Uh, James in Nebraska. Um, you said not to apply MegaGrow with a plant growth regulator, such as 2,4-D. Um, I'm planting Enlist soybeans and yep. planning to run post-application of Enlist and glyphosate. Yep. Um, so would you recommend uh, applying uh, MegaGrow prior to application or just avoid it, period, then? Okay, so we, if you want to try MegaGrow, I, honestly, if it's me, I'd probably still try it in that combination on just a few acres, okay? It's not going to be something like Rise Up Smart Grass where, hey, we know that this is really pushing the plant over the top in some situations. So if it's me, I'm probably still going to try it on some with my Enlist and Roundup, all right? If I was going to do it separate, it all depends on what my timing is here, but we want to spray it before flowering. So in other words, we're looking at mid-June to possibly earlier than that, 
Okay, so I don't know exactly when you're going to spray your Enlist Duo or, or similar there, but I would just say we want to get it sprayed mid-June or earlier, however that works out for you, whether that's before or after you spray this particular uh, combination you're going to do. I'd probably try to space it out a little bit. I, uh, so in other words, what I'm saying here is try a small amount together with your glyphosate and 2,4-D. But then the majority of it that you want to try, I would say I'd time it a week before or a week after so it's, it's really separate from the other PGR that you're going to have. All right, good question. Okay, uh, let's go to the next one here. Go ahead, sir. This is Larry from Minnesota. Um, got a question about uh, raising soybeans in a high-yield environment. Yep. Uh, you get into the high yields and that, they're saying they're not able to get enough N nitrogen yep Would right a product like adding at r1 do an end hydro help add some more end to that plant yes absolutely it would and so that's one of the reasons why some people are looking at these we call them today nitrogen replacement products but you could also call them nitrogen supplements the whole point is we're trying to get more nitrogen somehow some way into that plant the other, and the other part of that question though brian corn. was the timing so yep. for, for Matt, when do you like to see products like that put on? When have you seen the best gains? Yeah, so R1 timing in soybeans is a good time for R1 or, 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 and hydro specifically, but another product that should be a part of that conversation is Boost 10. Um, we've seen with Boost 10 amino acid package um, during that critical stage where that plant needs to use a lot of nitrogen is to help the plant become more efficient with what it has. Um, and so we like the combination of anhydro and boost 10 together, but uh, either anhydro and boost 10 or either one independently, uh, those two products look really good at the R1 timing. So yesterday we did a soybean workshop here and we were showing some, some trial work where some people had been using nitrogen products relatively late in the season where the plant has the biggest demand for, so we're talking soybeans now, is that R3, R4 kind of timing. So that's when it's potting basically even more so than when it's flowering. So if you want to try it at R1, that's probably a good time, but I'd almost think you know, R2 and just before you get to R3 where you have the biggest demand, that's a lot of times where we actually really truly need the most nitrogen uh, possible. I'd also say when we talk about high yield environment, yes, I get that. So let's say we're talking 80 bushels plus, there, the chances are much higher that supplemental nitrogen will help you. But on top of that, it's also if I have, let's say, low organic matter in the soil, so I'm not getting free release out of the soil, and if I've had conditions where it could have hurt my, my uh, inoculation and uh, rhizobia bacteria counts. So for example, let's say I had flooding last year or the year before, so it, it really killed off a lot of my bacteria. I have really high soil pH or really low soil pH. I just have detrimental soil conditions for the rhizobia so they can't nodulate very well. Then I have even more likelihood that something like, whether it's an anhydro or boost tan or any of these other products or supplemental fertilizer could pay. So yes, uh, we, we, we'd encourage you at least try some later on if you're looking for, for big time soybean yields. Oh, go, go, go ahead. Can it be used with a fungicide? Yep, so, uh, so specifically, let's just talk about anhydro and boost 10. Could they be included with fungicide? Yeah, absolutely. So anhydro is specifically a bacteria. Um, so fungicides kill fungi, bacterial, and uh, not bacteria. So we've not seen any issues with tank mix partners with fungicides. 
Um, same thing with boost 10 being an amino acid. There's no effect there with, with those two in combination. Yep. Okay, good questions. Let's take another one over here. Steve from Iowa. In your booklet regarding MegaGrow, you, uh, you said to use two ounces of MegaGrow for 15 gallons of water. Now, if I cut my water usage down to 10 gallon, do I also cut that MegaGrow rate? Yes. Yeah, so, so again, it's a ratio. We're looking for 1 to 1,000. So one gallon of MegaGrow to 1,000 gallons of water. Okay, good question. Let's take another one here. Dwayne from Nebraska. Uh, we had really good corn yields last year, and we have not had a lot of moisture during the winter. And subsequently, we have a lot of stocks there that wasn't really anticipating. Can we use decomp now and speed that breakdown, or are we a little bit late on that product to get the full benefit? Um, so let, let's just talk about your heat. When, when does the frost normally come out of the ground? Here, uh, leave the microphone with him if about, you don't mind. I would say about one week after Brian plants corn. That's, yeah. that's usually what I would say it comes when out. When does the frost come out of the ground usually? <laughs> Typically uh, late March, early April. Okay, and when do you, and I assume we're going to plant soybeans back into this now or corn? It'll be both. Okay. He's in, he's so in Nebraska, when, Brian. He likes corn. He's get, he's going to go corn. Okay, so when, when are you planning to plant? Uh, we usually start the last week of April. Okay. that That's really what I was after, is how much time do you have before there's enough heat that we could start doing some good until you're going to plant? So if let's just say, for example, like here, our frost usually comes out uh, the first week of April, and we also like to plant maybe April 10th. So we don't have any time. And I'm just trying to say, in that case, I probably wouldn't tell you, oh, yeah, decomp's going to be this great thing, and, and now we're really going to help. But for you, if you've got that month, maybe month and a half time span there, your odds are a lot better than mine would be. Yeah, I think, I think the ideal spot, though, for decomp, and Matt, you can correct me if I'm wrong, or, or any of these microbial breakdown products to try and break stocks down and, and release those nutrients back out, I think the ideal timing would be, harvesting your crop when the stalks are still green and you can have dry grain but just healthy healthy stalks so if you've got green and juice in those stalks you got all kinds of food for those microbes and you're still gonna you're gonna get some faster breakdown and then of course the earlier in the fall with the more heat which honestly last fall wasn't too bad there, there was a little bit of time for a lot of guys last fall to get a little bit of time to break things down yeah, the other thing I would tell you is in your situation where, you know, we're under the gun of six weeks, four weeks, whatever it may be, um, we can add a sugar source to the tank. We can also, also add uh, sulfur to the mix where that sulfur will act as somewhat of a food source and also help us with uh, balancing some of those ratios. You know, the other quick thing to do, too, is, you know, nitrogen prices are relatively high right now, but ultimately we're after a carbon to nitrogen ratio. And, you know, incorporating some 28 into that mix won't kill the biology, but it'll help with uh, from the carbon to nitrogen ratio standpoint. Yeah, residue breakdown is just a big topic. And I know we get into a lot in our home state of South Dakota with as much no-till as there is. And, and honestly, some really good corn yields up here many years, too. All right, we'll get back into more questions about the natural or biological products on the market today. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. 
makes life simple, and it's the secure choice with powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Farming is probably the most natural thing for a person to do. It taught me how to take pride in my work, how to put something ahead of myself, whether it was getting up early to feed the livestock or working late to bring in the harvest. Farming taught me to give it my best, no matter the job. My name is Tanner. I'm a farmer. I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe this spring with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. Every week for more than two decades, Ag PhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Improve germination in your fields with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our unique spike design seals your seed within a firm vein of soil, providing maximum seed-to-soil contact and maximum germination. Order a set for your planter at farmshopmfg.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now... You can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren and Matt Thompson, industry expert on Hefty Naturals. Uh, we talk about naturals just as a general term for biological products, for plant growth hormones, for anything that already exists somewhere in the environment. We're trying to figure out how do we take some of those things and use them in crop and put them in the right spots. Uh, one, of, one of the things we just wanted to throw out a quick correction on. So over the break, Matt was just chatting with one of the company or the company that makes MegaGrow, and that's Plant Growth Hormones. And they said they've actually done testing with Dicamba and 2,4-D and seen no negative impacts. With Extendamax, right? so I don't know about the 2,4-D oh, piece. The Dicamba, yes, okay, Dicamba. okay. So anyway, uh, we, we were talking about that a little bit earlier. We do get concerned when you start throwing something together that's plant growth hormones with 
a plant growth regulator product chemistry like dicamba or 2,4-D because in effect dicamba and 2,4-D will try to grow the plant to death. Well, if you now are throwing more growth hormones out there, it, it worries us just a little bit. But anyway, they run the testing, fine with Xandamax. All right, let's get to the next question here. Uh, Caleb from Wisconsin. You talked a little bit about liquid humix. So what about dry humix and how do we decipher what's good and what's not? I think it's the same. Yeah, right? it is. It's the same. And, and I, I would tell you that from a consistency standpoint, it's all going to be dependent on where it comes from, from a mining perspective. But if we're really trying to correct a problem and we've got low uh, organic matter in our soils, pounds of dry humic are going to fix the problem a lot faster than a liquid. And I think that's the big conversation of the difference between dry and liquid. Hey, Matt, you, you put up a graphic about where these humics are coming from across North America, but I didn't see anything from the from the paper milling process. We see some different products coming out of that, some lignosulfates. Are, are they greatly different than the Leonardite type sources? Yeah, so I mean, there, there are some claims there. I mean, some are alcohol based and, and can have some benefit to the plant, but to be able to call them a true fulvic or a humic is, is hard to make that justification. But because of the lack of regulation in the market, uh, there's, there's a lot of these third party type products that are coming in the market. Uh, that we see in, in Lignatech being one of them, uh, which is a byproduct of the paper mill industry. And the big concern that we have about Lignatech and specifically is uh, how much of the heavy metals are coming from uh, that market and being put into a byproduct like Ligno. All right. Oh, do you have a follow-up? Go ahead. Uh, on a, I got a different question. But sure. On so we were talking about soybean inoculants, and uh, you were saying how long they survive on the seed. How about when they're in the package and then also the planter box inoculants with the graphite? Is that graphite hurting those inoculants? Okay, let me, let me talk first about how long they last in the package. So there are some products that are labeled for one year. So they're going to expire in one year. Others are two year. It's very, very seldom when we'll see anything beyond two year. So... Uh, what they try to do is have enough of some type of food source in there so they can survive during that one year or two year span. So you just want to make sure you are getting inoculant that's not expired. Without an extender, and basically an extender is additional food source that you'd then throw with it. Without an extender, the standard in the industry is within 24 hours treated on the seed, half of the bacteria will be dead. Half. They're dead. So even with extender, it's very common to see 10 or 20% dead in 24 hours when you put that on that seed. So that's part of the reason why with like corn, for example, when you buy seed corn in the United States, it will be treated and it was treated, who knows, a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, and it's still fine, nothing, no, no problem with inoculant on soybeans, uh, the, the treatment is not done at the seed company. It's done at that dealer level, or you might do it yourself on the farm. And that is, the re that is part of the reason why. The other part is with soybeans, they can be sold as grain if they're untreated. And so there's, there's such a high percentage of soybeans that are, are just basically dumped, let's call it, uh, then we don't want to have those treated in advance. With corn seed, it can last maybe even 
three, four, five years and the seed is still viable. With soybeans, it's usually not after one season. So anyway, just some, some differences there. In terms of that graphite side, um, yeah, I can't, I, can't, I can't answer that question specifically, but going back to the, the packaging, if you mm -hmm. look at how inoculants are packaged, they're packaged in a bladder, and that bladder is breathable. Um, the bradyrhizobia that, that we're talking about from an inoculant standpoint in soybeans is a living organism, and they're living in that container with a food source. So uh, it's a very different conversation than some of the other biological products in the market that are dormant that, uh, you know, with the bradyrhizobia, it's got to be in a bladder that bladder can never freeze. It's got to be in, in a warm environment because it's so sensitive to the different environment conditions that we put it to. Yep. So many of these products that are now treated on corn or soybeans way in advance that are biologicals, like Matt said, they may be dormant. Well, if they're dormant, now we're in pretty good shape and we just have a lot longer uh, time period before those start dying. All right. Let's take our next question over here. Thank you. Uh, Tim from Madison, South Dakota. In a pasture situation, would you recommend rise up or heat shield, and then is there a waiting period before you can turn out? Okay, in pasture, I like both rise up and heat shield. They, they would both be good choices out there. Um, different products, too. You got one that's Completely. that six fungal strains in heat shield, and then the rise up, of course, is gibberellic acid, a plant growth hormone. Yeah, so I'd, I'd first ask what the timing is. I mean, if we're in those cool conditions where it's 40 to 60 degrees, I'm going after the rise up smart grass because the plant has a hard time being able yep. to process the gibberellic acid. So in um, other words, in the spring and in the fall, that's when we talk about rise up smart grass. So what we're trying to do is trick the plant into thinking everything is great and we, we boost the, the gibberellic acid levels inside the plant, and that means you will have more elongation of the stem and you will absolutely have more tonnage. We see it all the time. It's very consistent, works great, if you're spraying it when the weather is still relatively cool. If you wait too long and all of a sudden it's June and it's hot, like last year's 100 degrees, adding more gibberellic acid is a complete waste of money for you. Now, when it comes to heat shield, if we've got a lot of heat in the forecast or we've got a lot of stressful weather type conditions, trying to time that in front of it, uh, heat shield is a great opportunity. Uh, from the times of turnout, I don't know of any issues for, for my product with heat shield, there's no issues. Not to my knowledge with rise up, I don't think there's any issues of an REI standpoint. Yep. Take another question in the back here. Yeah, Jason from Minnesota. And I was looking at your data for a couple of different locations for NutriShield and in both cases, the Mankato, Minnesota area saw a drawdown in yield potential for um, NutriShield. Uh, what would be the uh, conditions in, in Mankato area for soils and that to bring that down? Yep, so to step back for, for our listeners, what this NutriShield thing is, we were talking about NutriCycle, which has got a bunch of nutrient solubilizers, and then Heat Shield, where it's some fungal strains that help, they're bas they basically become fungal endophytes inside the plant. So it's stuff that lives inside the plant that helps it tolerate stresses like heat especially, as well as salt. Uh, and, and a few other things. So anyway, the, with this NutriShield, in some of the data that we had last year, just comparing it to a base fungicide insecticide treatment, most of the time it pays. In the one case, it didn't pay. But if you look at what's the statistical difference between 208.9 and 207.2, that's probably not statistically different. So I don't know that they'd really say, oh, it was worse. 
but it wasn't any better. Matt, do you have any explanation why? Yeah, so the, the company that we had hired to, to treat the seed for us, we bought that hybrid from them. And I think a lot of what this is on the Mankato aspect is, is probably a wrong placement from a hybrid standpoint. So the hybrid was the exact same across all three locations from a consistency standpoint. And I think it's, it's probably why we didn't see a response there is because that hybrid wasn't suited for that environment. Yeah, so we we don't know for sure. This is one of the things I, w- I, w- I was talking about a little bit earlier today with when we're going to do, we have a research team and I really like it when our research team is the one doing the research because then we get the whole story and we can really find out, okay, what's gone right, what's gone wrong, what helps explain why we got results or why we didn't. In this case, uh, this wasn't our data, so I don't, I don't know for sure. I don't, I don't have the answer. So I wish I, I, I knew, but I, I don't know for sure. All right, well, thanks for all the questions so far. We'll return with more Ag PhD Radio right after this. Protect your empire. Rule your fields with dual modes of action. Low-use rate Authority Supreme herbicide from FMC combines Group 14 and Group 15 modes of action for pre-plant and pre-emergence control of key broadleaf weeds and grasses. A preventative application keeps your fields clean when it matters most to crop productivity. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. This is a wake-up call for you and your field's microbiome from Source by Sound Agriculture. Source is a revolutionary foliar-applied biochemistry that doesn't rely on bulky nutrients or finicky biologicals to wake up your soil and unlock more nutrients per acre, all with a low use rate. It's like caffeine for microbes. Source works with the soil you've already got and the equipment you already use. So if you're a grower, go to sound.ag and learn more. And if you're a microbe, time to rise and shine. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. What do you think of when you hear Palmer, Amaranth, or Water Hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like Water Hemp and Palmer, Amaranth. 
take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce Herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We are broadcasting today from the Morton Center at the Ag PhD Field Day site following the Ag PhD Naturals Workshop. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian and industry expert Matt Thompson. Let's take our next question. Hi, guys. Luke from uh, Hazel, South Dakota. I'm looking at the data you have on your extricate product and... You know, next week, Neil Kinsey is going to spend a lot of time talking about getting your soil in balance. Yep. And particularly getting your ratios correct, uh, calcium, magnesium. Um, just looking at the data on the extricate on your soil sample on how much more uh, calcium to put into solution, um, is it a potential, do you think, see this as a potential of fixing some problems with uh, ratios you might have, or is it a possibility that it actually might screw some of those up? All right, had another question come in, actually a couple of comments too on the extricate. So what, what Luke's referencing here, we, we did a different test than, than, I guess I hadn't seen the saturated paste test done until we started working with extricate. Uh, and Matt, can you explain what that is just a little bit? Because we had a couple of comments come in. Hey, Midwest Labs also does a test. And, and another guy that said, hey, we've got irrigation. And they're recommending that we use our, our irrigation water rather than uh, DI water for those tests. So talk just a little bit about that saturated paste test. And then we'll get after uh, what Luke's asking. Here. Yeah, so specifically the water-soluble paste test is something that was done for us to show some of the value of what extricate is. And the reason why we use DI water or DNI's water. water. Yep, is is because in the initial sample of 71 locations, obviously the water source is going to be different everywhere we go. So to create consistency um, from a testing procedure standpoint, where the only variable we're looking at is extricate, we use the deionized water standpoint. Ultimately, what the water soluble paste test is, is we take a soil sample, we put it in a filter, uh, and we're trying to collect the liquid solution that comes out of that filter um, with deionized water on one side and then deionized water plus extricate and basically comparing the two of what nutrients were released from the soil with the extricate application. That's ultimately what the water-soluble paste test does. Okay, so anyway, to specifically answer your question, um, I, I, I'll just look at, I'll tell you how I view this product. If I've got problems in my soil, then, so in other words, let's say I have excessive calcium or excessive magnesium or something like that, that's probably where I want to try this at this point. We haven't done enough research work on this. And, and so we talked today about all these different natural products. Everything needs more testing. We, we really need to figure out where is this going to pay versus where it's not. This is, I would call it, the first step in figuring out, okay, at least in the lab, can I get more out of my soil when I'm using this product, and we proved, yes, we absolutely can. So we just showed with magnesium, for example, oh, we're seeing a lot more, especially as the magnesium percentage goes up, and same thing with calcium deal. So now the question is, is this going to pay for us on our farm? Because that's what I really care about. So with your question, you said, all right, uh, could it fix some help, help us in the problem areas, or could it potentially screw some stuff up for us? 
Um, I haven't figured out where it's going to screw it up well, for us. What I think is if we can just make what's in the soil available, now the plant can take in what it needs. So I, I think you're, you might be onto something there that maybe that will help with some of these imbalances. He's got a follow-up uh, comment here too. Uh, and, you know, for us, where we see the easiest thing is when we've got super high base saturation calcium levels, we don't have good calcium availability in the soil, which seems weird. But we've got yep. so much, it's tied up. And I know Brad made a comment about that earlier today. That's the easiest slam dunk with this product. I've got too much calcium, high calcareous soils, but I can make the calcium an available form for our plant. And that is a huge nutrient for crop production. If you've heard Neil Kinsey talk before, do you ever hear him talk about naturals, biologicals? Uh, I, I mean, anything outside the realm of soil fertility? No, because his whole goal is he's like, look, if I can just get my soil in this great position, then everything is going to be awesome, and I don't necessarily yeah, soil need... Soil health is great, microbial yep. life in the soil is great, all those things take care of themselves Right. if I can just take away all the problems in my soil. Right, but the challenge is, like I, I brought this up today, roughly half the ground in the United States is farmed is rented. Okay, so if you're going to fix somebody else's soil, that could cost a lot of money. Plus, it's going to take a lot of time. And even on your own soil, we're still working on some of the stuff on ground we've owned forever. So it takes a lot of time. And that's why it's fun talking to Neil because he'll say, well, after 30 years, here's what happened. You know what? I'd like something today. So sometimes I, I think we got to look at patience. these. Right. The, we got to look at these alternatives, and that's really where I see it. But anyway, go ahead. What's your, what's your follow-up? Just curious about what your thoughts were on then the amount of time that it actually increases the amount of these nutrients and water solution before Mother Nature takes its course and, and you re revert back to... Well, yeah. that's a great point because we're talking about an in-furrow application, a relatively low rate of a product that's what I was that say. with What's a limited, limited time expectancy. What's the rate? 20 ounces. Right, 20 ounces. So if we think about almost anything other than a chemistry, let's say it's some chemistry that carries over and hurts our next crop, but if we're going to talk about something that's going to help make nutrients more available and it's only 20 ounces per acre, you have to assume that that's only going to last for the real, real short term. So anyway, I wish I had all the answers for you today. I don't. Uh, but I do know that I get excited when I see some of the results here. But when we were talking about extricate today, uh, I, I, I just made the comment that, look, I don't give a rip about any of this stuff. All I care about is, am I going to get more yield? Is it going to actually pay in that, in that plant? I'm hopeful that it will, because so far this looks good, and so far what we've seen in crops looks good, but we just haven't been able to test it for enough years. But I don't think it's going to screw anything up, because it's such a low rate. I think it's only going to help, but where it most likely fits better is all those soils that Neil and us will talk about that aren't well-balanced today. All right, a follow-up question to that was, for most of these in-furrow natural products, is there a minimum, maximum carrier volume that you recommend if using water is more better or is less better? More would spread it out better, but I don't know that it's necessarily a requirement with a lot of products, right? Yeah, I'd say a minimum of five gallons to the acre. We got to have that coverage where we get that contact to the seed. And, you know, the more comment, I don't have a specific answer to that where, you know, we want to make sure the concentration is strong enough once it gets to the seed, but the biggest thing is coverage. Well, yeah, and when you say contact with the seed, we aren't, like, super worried about contact with the seed. We just need it in that soil. Right. So in, in some of the cases, it's the roots that That's are right. going to extract it anyway. All right, well, our next question is way in the north end there. Go Two ahead. Two questions. 
Okay. Hi guys, thanks. Yep. I'm Mark from Minnesota. Your intercept pit additive product. Yep. Does that also act as a nit nitrogen stabilizer? Well, kind of, I guess, when you think about this, if you're catching that ammonia and, and locking it up so you aren't going to smell it, uh, you're, you're stabilizing that in. You're, you're holding on to it, and you're also holding on to the sulfur. So those, those kind of things are, are really good in that aspect. And then taking well, the solid forms of, of uh, well, solids that are in the manure and getting them all into the liquid, that allows you to apply things as well, which is, which is kind of nice. So it yeah. may, it's adding. When you look at the graphic that we had on the second slide, I think in that part of the presentation, you're actually getting more nutrients that you're able to deliver yeah, per acre. Yeah, and that may be. But ultimately, I think his question is, am I going to benefit from throwing a nitrogen stabilizer in like we commonly would without a pit treatment? So the two answers to that. Number one, when we look at the test results that come back with Intercept, uh, your nitrogen is in two different forms on that test. And what we see is, is our level of organic in are, is way higher in a treated pit versus an untreated pit. So that tells me that that nitrogen's in, an, in a stable form. The concern I have with some of the stabilizers in the marketplace is in order for those stabilizers to work, they're killing the bacteria in the pit that is converting those, those nitrogen uh, products in as the denitrification process. So I uh, almost feel like that's a double negative with what we're trying to do with Intercept. Yep, and with the organic form, that's the form that's going to break down real slowly over time. Uh, right, second, second part of your Yeah, question. we're going to have to take a break here uh, just in just a little bit, but at least ask the question before our break. Go ahead. Uh, question is, um, sugar, including sugar in the tank to help boost herbicide and product effectiveness. Yep. Okay, so right after this break, we'll talk just a little about sugar because we do get a lot of questions about that. And does that make a difference with microbes versus herbicides or anything else? So we'll, we'll get to that right after this break. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back. What's new from New Farm? Longbow EC Herbicide the latest in our portfolio of versatile weed management tools, gives you another carfentrazone option, taking aim at more than 60 broadleaf weed species. And did we mention economical? Longbow EC's low use rate makes it a flexible tank mix partner with most burned down non-selective herbicides. Ask your dealer for Longbow EC, available for fall. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long inside-out foliar disease protection. A single at-plant application provides comparable performance in corn yield protection to that of VT to R1 foliar fungicides against diseases like gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or zyway.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Beat resistant weeds with Tough IVC on your team. Add Tough IVC into your post-emergent tank mix and even the playing field. Tough IVC, a selective contact herbicide, synergizes HPBD inhibitors and enhances the effect of PS2 herbicides. Tough IVC increases control of some of the toughest to kill herbicide resistant weeds, such as Palmer Amaranth and Waterhem. Ask your local retailer about Tough IVC or visit BelgiumUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. 
That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Soybean growers are dealing a swift blow to tough broad leaves and grasses with the two-in-one power of Moccasin MTZ. Moccasin MTZ combines the power of s metolachlore and a higher load of Metribuzin for outstanding weed control right from the outset with extended residual control to keep tough weeds down, including pigweed, waterhemp, ragweed, and mare's tail. In addition to annual grasses like foxtail and barnyard grass, ask your retailer about Moccasin MTZ and always read and follow label directions. We now bring you an important news bulletin. This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of Burndown. New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds, even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your Burndown. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We are broadcasting from the Morton Center at the Ag PhD Field Day site following a hefty, or I'm sorry, an Ag PhD Naturals workshop and uh, got a number of questions that are coming in here from our audience and also from some folks that are live streaming our event. Uh, just before the break, we had a question, and Matt uh, or Brian, do you want to restate that question? Because I, I don't know if I caught all of it here. So the question was, is sugar being added to the herbicide tank or sugar being added to a microbial tank? Yep. Is there value of that sugar going in any one of those passes? And, and what do we think about sugar in general? Um, in my opinion, when it comes to that herbicide application or fungicide application, I think sugar acts as an incredible sticker. Uh, I think it's great from the standpoint of getting it stick, stuck on the leaves and, and getting that herbicide or fungicide the ability to penetrate into the overall plant. The concern I have with some of the sugars that are in the marketplace today from a microbial standpoint is it's no different than if you've got a toddler and you give them a bunch of Skittles, right? They get that big sugar high, they go crazy, and then they crash. Uh, That's our concern when it comes to microbes and, and a sugar source in the tank is we want those microbes feeding for themselves and creating uh whatever processes they need in order to survive, we don't necessarily want to supplement that with sugar. Uh, I know there's been a lot of conversations with sugar from the high yield growers and constantly feeding sugar into these plants throughout the season. Uh, I think there's more benefit from the sticking standpoint than anything of getting other products that are in those tanks into those plants. All right, let's take another question over here. I've got another uh, question about extricate. Uh, Now, is that a product? using in furrow, we have to put it in all alone or can it be, is it compatible with other like liquid fertilizer and you know, uh, nutricycle and microcycle? Yeah, so it's organic acid, extricate, it's an organic acid that can absolutely be mixed with row starters. It's a non-living organism, so we don't have to worry about that. Uh, from the testing we've done with our products specifically, we don't have any concerns of keeping other microbial products alive with extricate. Okay, so like a chelated zinc also, no problem? No problem with the chelated zinc, yep, okay, as long thank as it's you. EDTA. Thank you. Yep. Okay, take another question over here. Hi, this is Kevin from Nebraska. Um, a little bit off of today's subjects, I'm just curious, um, 
ag lime versus pell lime for correcting pH. Okay, ag lime versus pelletized lime. Both can work just fine. Pelletized lime is generally much more expensive, but the good thing about pelletized lime is uh, you, you get it in a form that you can use with a regular spreader if you want, or you could use through a strip tiller. You could use in a variety of different ways where the ag lime, uh, you definitely need a, a, a lime spreader. You can't just use your regular spinner spreader for that one. So you got some more flexibility with the pell lime. Typically, we're using low rates on pell lime on rented ground, and, and going about it that way. Or if you're a beginning farmer and you say, ooh, I just can't afford that lime application. I'm, I'm just, things are really tight this year. Hey, could you get by for a year doing a pelletized application? You sure could. Well, yeah, the, the real difference here is with the pelletized lime, it's available very, very quickly. So that's, that's really what we're after. It's a fine grade of lime, and then it's in those pellets. So like Darren said, you can spread it yourself if you want. With the ag lime, there, there are lots of varying sources. So I know like in the state of Minnesota, they've got published a whole bunch of test results from all the different places where you can buy ag lime. I don't know if they have that in Iowa. But anyway, I would want to take whatever it is that's possible for me to buy. Let's say it's pelletized lime. Let's say I got a couple different ag lime sources. I'd go sample it right from them. I'd take a sample. I'd send it into a lab and get the analysis so I can truly see what am I really getting here. The other thing that I'll, I'll bring up in this same conversation is there's also sugar beet lime. There's water treatment lime. There are other sources of lime that you can get. And so like when we first started looking at our water treatment lime that we're using on our farm, we said two things. Number one, we have to be concerned about heavy metals, so we need to get that tested, and that turned out fine. But then number two, how does that compare to regular ag lime and Depel lime? And what we found is it's it's actually even better than most of the pell lime that was out there the the grade was very very fine the percentage of calcium was really high so those things to us were really good the only downfall was we couldn't spread it ourselves we had to have somebody else spread it because of uh, uh the, the the material that it was so anyway i i just say uh we usually look at ag lime or water treatment lime in big doses to fix the soil for more of the long term whereas the pell lime it's a short-term deal because of its cost we're usually using low rates and it, it's we're looking at, at at much more of uh whether it's rented ground or any type of short-term situation that's where we like the pell lime better so okay. we've used some pell lime here just in the last couple of years in our farm too where he said man i gotta have it today and we want to spread it ourselves because we got to go and we got one week till freeze up and we don't have time to get the other stuff in. We finally got our soil test results back, and we go, we, we got to do something, got to do it right now. We use a little bit of Pell Lime in those situations. Okay, another question came in, though. Uh, what are your thoughts about using a liquid calcium-type product instead of lime to correct a low pH balance? Is that a quicker fix? Well, liquid calcium is fine. It's just when you start looking at cost per acre to make that a big change, it's, it's going to cost a fortune. So we've actually used liquid calcium as a seed treatment. We've used it in furrow. Um, you know, if you're just doing something to at least temporarily change that pH or help you help provide a little more calcium for the plant, you can do that, and it does work. And and liquid calcium is quite safe to the seed and to the plant for the most part. So yes, it can be used. It's just we're using it in a little different situation than the, uh, than a lot of these other things. So it, it's more low rate, banded, or seed treatment, something like that. All right. Uh, let's take our next question here. Doug from South Dakota. I've got two questions on Rise Up Smart Grass. One of them is, uh, does it contribute at all to uh, 
grass tetany. And the other one is, does it mix okay with our Tordon? Okay, well, in terms of grass tetany, it's magnesium availability early in the season. And we just don't have that. It's not going to change that. Uh, you're still going to need a magnesium supplement. So in the north, with cold soils, magnesium availability is just really poor when the, when this, I don't know, cattle are first coming out on the pasture. So we end up with supplementing magnesium. Maybe an extricate type of product, but that's not really labeled for that type of application. And I worry that the cost would be tremendous to try to to make that happen. So, no, I don't think it's going to change anything with the magnesium. I think you're still well, going to have to I, I don't know that the cost would be that bad. And as far as, as far as it being labeled, uh, I mean, extricate it's not it, prohibited. Extricate is 20 ounces in the furrow. Yes. We're talking true. about a broadcast That's rate. true. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> move that out to a broadcast. I don't know what the rate would be. At least a gallon, I would assume. And at a gallon, that's going to be cost prohibitive in a pasture. You're going to say, uh, my pasture rent's less than that. Okay, here's what I want you to think about on this, uh, the gibberellic acid or Rise Up Smart Grass together with Toradon. Could it potentially be done? Yes, although I, I, I'm not going to say uh, we're, we're going to strongly recommend that. But just think about when you're going to have to spray that Rise Up. It's going to be early when things are cool. Early when things are cool, you don't get the best burn down activity out of any herbicide there is. We often will say, hey, we'd like to have the daytime temps 70. We'd like the nighttime temps at least above 50. We don't need that. In fact, we want almost the opposite of that with Ryza. We just want it above freezing somehow, some way. So the way I would probably time it is I'd go, ooh, as soon as things start growing again in the fall, as soon as my, or in the spring, as soon as my grass starts growing, that's probably when I'm going to hit it with Ryza. It's going to be relatively early. I'm going to probably wait a month, and then I'm going to go out and spray my Tordon. You can do the Tordon has all kinds of residuals, so you could do it early if you want. But in terms of burning down what's there, you're probably going to be a little bit disappointed. You're going to be done spraying. You're going to look a week later, and you're like, God, why, why are those thistles still growing? And then you're going to be mad. <laughs> so, well, seriously, I'm just saying it probably needs to be a split applied mainly because of that. And that's, that's the whole conversation around a lot of these products in the naturals market is as this market continues to evolve, the conversation around splitting these applications up have to be part of that conversation. Rise Up Smart Grass being one of them where the timing just doesn't match that herbicide application. All right, another Rise Up question came in. Have you seen Rise Up tested in dry environments? You did talk about in pastures. Heat Shield helping out in some of those dry environments. How about Rise Up Smart Grass? Yeah, I mean, again, Rise Up Smart Grass being that gibberellic acid product, I mean, the biggest target is that temperature range of that 40 to 60 where we're stretching the cells or getting elongation. I mean, there's not a single product in the marketplace that's going to cure Mother Nature from a drought perspective, but you're going to see a, a longer plant or a taller plant because of that gibberellic acid. All right. Uh, one other question on Megagrow. I know we're up against time here. What about Megagrow tank mix with Fusilade? See any problems there? No. I don't see fine. any problems with that one. Uh Another, let's see, oh boy, there's a bunch of them. Yeah, lots of questions. Well, <laughs> this have is the to fun hit thing. them tomorrow, Dan. It's the fun thing about talking about naturals on, on our show because we get so many questions and there's so many different ways of looking at it and different types of applications. We talked quite a bit about pasture on today's program. It wasn't all about corn and soybeans like it can be at times or wheat on the show. So anyway, just want to say thanks to all the people that came to our workshop today to talk about naturals, everybody that tuned in on the live stream, and of course, uh, to you listening on the radio show today as well. Please join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.